BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is, of course, a part of the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com where we remind you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Thank you, as always, for listening. Make sure you are liking, subscribing, following, doing whatever it is you do to track the best podcasting network out there on your interwebs. Also, make sure you head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and support us by investing in a chair shot shirt. We have all kinds of great swag, including you could be the third person to own a Bandwagon Nerds t-shirt. That's right. There's myself, DPP, and there could be you. You couldn't see me point at the screen, Noble Leonard, but I did. I pointed at you. I am, of course, joined by the OGs of the bandwagon. I am joined by Mr. Saturday Night himself, PC Tunney. Mr. Tunney, how are you today? I'm, I'm great. We got another Saturday Night Live this past weekend, so things are there things are go. great in SNL. The, wor- the world is right for Tunney. At this point, with the writer strike being over and Saturday Night Live being not beholden to the actors strike, which boy, boy, howdy, is that not going well? We're not going to talk about the the actor strike this week. I'm I'm actually exhausted of it a little bit myself, and so let's let's not talk about. It. Let's talk about fun things this week. Actually, we're going to take Matthew Vaughn to task. That's what we're going to do this week, but uh, that's for later on in the show. We are also joined. 
by the Reverend Raymond S. Cashington Esquire, the 974th Raymond S. at Cashington Esquire. Significant leap in numbers this week, right? Good job. I appreciate it. Um, Reach. You, you, you guys, we're all basketball fans here. You remember when Melo started wearing the hoodie and became Hoodie Mellow? Yeah. Like Hoodie, hoodie Mellow was that. I'm Hoodie Ray today. Yeah, hoodie Ray go. today. All right. Just make sure you don't wander out into public and scare a white woman because she'll call the police. Can Black you give her five man. minutes? God damn. No, there's no rest. No rest. No rest. You've known me. How many years we've been doing this show, guys? How long has this show been going now, Dave? You you keep the counter. We're, we're about to work it on your four. Yeah. yeah. Ray, you've known me for four years. When has there ever been quit in O'Dowd? No, you're right. Nothing you do surprises me. I just was caught off guard by how quick we got to it. We didn't even get to the uh, introduction. My goodness. We we did. And, and know, yes, I know right. better than to take it off when I go outside. I've been trained almost for you. Make, make sure the white ladies feel safe. That's all I'm saying. By the way, this is for you. Wait a minute. We've hit all of the we've hit all of the points now. Wait, check just, mark, check mark, check mark. I, I, I'm a little offended that you booed me after the racism. Like you gotta you have to give a No, I booed there. you about racism. Like it was like whatever. Like I'm just how it am wasn't I, a racist joke. I didn't make a racist joke. It wasn't like a I heard joke I heard like, Ray, I booed you because you're black. That's what I heard. I mean maybe I did. <laughs> That's kinda how I feel. A little bit. Okay. Wait, well then here, I'll boo you because you're Ray. There you go. Yeah, you're just booed. Also, we have we have the king of overreactions, the Mister <laughs> Hyperbole himself, the lawyer David Ungar, who 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 crowned the Texas Rangers as World Series champions two games mm. into the playoffs. Uh, mm. How's that going for you, man? Hey, they're still in it, so we'll see. But... Yeah, Houston's taking care of business. Come, come the next game, man. It's, we'll that's see. We'll see I what just, they do. I, I gotta say. I gotta say that is a spicy series though. Now, like that series has gotten a little, little heated, and that makes for fun sports. That is sports entertainment, right there. People that, that from is, Houston and Dallas aren't getting along. Ray, come on, that never happens, right? Shocked, right? I know. Shocked, dude. Shocked. It's a, it's a fun series. I can't wait wait to watch Philadelphia and Houston hit home runs. Wait a for minute. Seven games in the series. Wait a minute. Diamondbacks still in it. We still got a shot. Yeah, you guys are done. You're cooked. I'm sorry. You're going back to Philly. I, you're not winning two and now. I'm no. just saying the Houston Arizona would be the would really be the Ray Cash Bowl because it's my favorite. It would team. be a, my, it would be the Ray Cash series. That would be great so for you. I'm just saying, yeah, that, that would be a lot of fun. But uh, I love playoff baseball, but that's not why we're here to talk today. We are here for bandwagon nerd stuff. That's right. We've got a a little bit of a sparse show, but I'm okay with that because fellas, it's just me and the little O'Dowd here on recording weekend right now. The Mrs. O'Dowd has jetted to the other coast. She is hanging out up in Napa with her best friend. They are having a good old time sipping wine. And I did not get an invite, Ray, just so you know. Did you? Neither, dog. Tony I mean, probably you know, did. It's in the mail, bro. It's in the mail. Snail mail. You know how it goes? Right. There's there's that. That's absolutely and here's the thing is Dave, I know you are you are flying solo right now as well as we record. But uh yeah the little O'Dowd and I we've been having a good weekend. Guys, I got to tell you, though, this week has been a great week for Patrick. I got to see Queen and Adam Lambert on Monday in Boston at TD Garden uh, last Monday, a week ago. And uh, I've seen them three times. This is the best performance I've seen of them. All three of them have been great because, uh, you know, I'm biased as it is. This is easily the best show I've seen them put on. Highlight 
of my evening, though, at that concert was before the concert even started. I am standing outside the merch table while my friend Taylor is buying a shirt. And this woman, as I'm kind of staring at things, she comes up to me. She starts talking to me about, can you believe it's $50 for a concert shirt? This is so expensive. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I've seen them three times. I think maybe the first time I saw them, T-shirts were like 40 bucks instead of 50 But that was like almost a decade before. Like it was a while ago. So inflation, like whatever. And she's like, oh, you've seen them three times. She's like, so what are they like? Like, how's Adam Lambert? I'm like, oh, it's great. You know, Adam Lambert doesn't try to pretend to be Freddie Mercury. They put on a great show. It's a lot of fun. And then she's like, she looks at me dead, dead ass serious in the eye. I hope they play the old stuff. And I had to, I had to be like, well, they haven't made an album since 91, <laughs> 1991. So I think your odds are good that they're going to play the old stuff. Well, I hated that 91 album. I was like, do you even know what the name of that 90? I almost went. Like, do you even lift, bro? Like, because clearly this woman had no idea anything. But wanted the queen to play the old stuff. And 30 years ago was not old enough. It had to be all the 50-year-old stuff and the stuff from the 70s and 80s. That was the I, biggest I hope they play Night at the Opera in its entirety. No, you don't. Because then you get, you get 39 and nobody, like, and here's the thing. Is you heard the song 30. None of you know the song 39. It's a song written by Brian May, astrophysicist about a time traveler that is stuck in the future talking to people in the past. It's 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 great. But he plays he plays that song at the concert. You know what that song is? That's the bathroom break song. Nobody stays for that song. You don't want to play that song. I went to the restroom during 39 because it's about halfway through the show. And I was like, nobody knows this song. I like this song, but I, I don't love this song. I'm going to go. So anyway. It was a great time. I had a great time at that concert. Now, the, the little doubt, I've had to actually be a dad. I had to, like, take him to school. And, and apparently, they actually make you pick him up, too. Like, nobody just brings him back. Like, I had to, like, go do that. And, that was, and that you got to sit in line. Put that, put that kid, not, that kid on a bus, Patrick. I You have to pay for that shit. You know what? Like, you got to, like, pay? I don't oh, know. Not, not maybe. <laughs> maybe in the old, the old Dowd area. I almost gave away your shoe location. I'm sorry. Uh, not down here in Houston, no sir. I don't know that we actually have to pay. I just know there's work involved, and I I didn't, I didn't want to do it, so I just took well, it's fine. I took the day off on Friday. It was a good time. Mm, sounds rough. Kind of do it all over again to, uh, on Monday, though. Take him to school today, as you're listening to this. I may be taking a little load down to school as you listen on your morning commute. Not that you care. All right, enough of that. That is nine minutes of your lives, noble listener, that you will never get back listening to me talk about my life. Enjoy. We have a full-on show, Loki Season 2, Episode 3, where we spent a lot of time in Chicago in the late 1800s. Good, good, fun little episode. We get our first look at the much-maligned Jonathan Majors returning. But before we get into that, we need a little low-key music. And I heard a little birdie told me we got some some special music for the occasion. And so I'm just going to be quiet and let it happen. And let's see if it's as special as it's purported to be.
Nice. I sure hope Disney doesn't sue us. I so expected Jim Morrison to start singing, show me the way to the next whiskey bar. (laughs) Right here. I I don't have any. I got my usual. It's okay. So like literally watched this about two hours ago as we record. And when I flipped it on, I skipped the um, recap, but I don't ever skip the intro. I don't ever skip the intro on shows, especially when I like the music of stuff or whatever. Right. And I don't know if people know this, but I took piano for like six years as a kid and I just never heard that intro played like that. And I thought it was really good for the timepiece that they were about to present. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it sounded really cool. So that's why I was like, Hey guys, I kind of pulled something special. Yeah. I, I really dug it. I think that the, the Easter eggs that have been a part of this season so far have been, have been a lot of fun. And we're, we're now in, this is the first, moment for me actually it's not it's the second moment for me this show is the first of the the current whatever you want to say phase of marvel we're in that has felt like a little bit more of some connecting tissue to previous marvel projects i shared um i shared a meme uh, a while back that we got and i didn't even notice this but in the previous episode we had a connection to the eternals as there was a movie poster for uh what was the character's name what's that kingo yeah, Kingo's character was was seen briefly as they're walking around uh, in episode two. And here we this is just the most tangible because we literally get the post credit scene. One of the post credit scenes from Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania pop up as Loki and Mobius are racing to track down he who remains slash Victor Timely. Yet they are competing with uh, our good friend, Miss Minutes, who we learned a heck of a lot more about Miss Minutes in this episode, where we learned that she is a fully sentient artificial intelligence who's also in love with <laughs> Kang. Like, Restraining just, order much? Well, and, and you know, the, way, the competition to, to get Victor Timely uh, in various ways, because you've got, you know, you've got, uh, Mobius and Loki trying to bring him back to fix the temporal loop. You have Sylvie trying to just clip every fucking one of these Kangs that she can. Like, that is her goal. You've got Ms. Minutes working with, I've once again forgotten her name because I hate Ravana Renslayer. Ravana Renslayer, who, by the way, I think it's really interesting that as I'm looking at this IMDb listing of cast, they don't include her. They don't include include Ravana as part of the the like main cast of the episode like they're like rest of cast listed alphabetically and she's down there with Ki Hui Kwan and it's <laughs> like I'm looking at the people who made the list Chris Holloway's as Robert Baron goon number two he's listed amongst the main cast they always say that goon number two is technically more important than goon number one. Uh, Elmo Elmo Walker was goon number two. Sorry, Chris Holloway's was was goon number one. If I if I misspoke, that's my bad. Well, then I'd rather talk about Elmo. A, a dude named Elmo above one of the main actors in. And I'm sorry, I'm uh, was it is it Guju? That how you pronounce her name? Gugu. Gugu Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to fuck that up too much. That's why I was in, intentionally avoiding their name. Uh, but anyway, so you get this you get this big chase to run down Victor Timely, who in this particular timeline, and what's really interesting is that this episode 
first takes Ravona and Ms. Minutes to the 1860, looking for Victor Timely. And you have to pay attention when times pop up on the screen now, because when that date shows up in Chicago, do you guys recall what it said underneath? The sacred timeline. Sacred timeline. Sacred timeline. But when we went to the 1890s, what did it say? Branch, Branch timeline. Branch timeline. So. Oh my God. I feel like I was I, in, we're in like school. Back in high school. We're in school yeah, again. Like, Professor O'Dowd, Very thank good. you. <laughs> no, but this is important, guys. And if you didn't see it, this is important because what does that tell you about what we're doing here? Now well, I have changed it. She changed the timeline when she gave him the book. That's why. Right. And so now we're in a branch timeline with someone different, and it, and it leads him on this path to create something that sort of resembles an early stage temporal loom. But it's actually not the MacGuffin they're looking for, as we learn when he's on the run, and he goes back and gets a different MacGuffin, a much smaller MacGuffin, um, before a kerfuffle and a scuffle breaks out between all of these parties. You know, Sylvie, Loki, Mobius, uh, Ravona, his minutes, like they're all there going trying to get one this guy. Number two. That was a very right. fun vocabulary moment you had there. I'm sorry. You don't like MacGuffin? No, I, I oh. enjoyed it. But then you went from that into kerfuffle and a scuffle. And I was like, wow, look yeah. at look at Dr. Seuss O'Dowd. Go. I'm just waiting for, retainer. I'm waiting for retainer Boy to show up. That's all I wait for every week. <laughs> um, retainer, retainer Boy is not here for this part because Retainer Boy is not mad about anything that happened in this episode. This episode was a necessary episode to move the story forward. This was the race to... Figure out what's going on with Ms. Minutes, and you learn that Ms. Minutes clearly just wants to be the right hand of of he who remains. Uh, More than that, actually, apparently, from what she was saying. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, no. She wants a body. She wants to, you know, body him. There's that. But she's a clock, so, yeah, she is a little cuckoo. She is a fucking I'll see myself out. Wow. Well, I I was fine. You just stole it from me. Dare I say, Ray, Did that I? Miss Minutes is more R2-D2 than Loki is? Well, quite literally, she's, she's an AI. Yes. And at the very end of this episode, and I, I know I'm, I'm doing this big summary, she's there with Ravona at the end of time, looking at the decaying corpse of the original He Who Remains. And she says, I know everything. I know all the secrets. I have one about you, and it's a big one. She's a Kang, guys. Well, she's like, you're going to get mad. She's I don't, I don't know. That's yeah. it. I, 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 I agree with Pat. I think she's a variant did, of K. She's, did, did, yeah. Didn't it seem like minutes and, and, um, Renslayer being back there together, like, oh, we're back here again. Like they had been there so many times before. Renslayer's never been there before. No. Okay. No, not that's at why, the end of time. That's why when Sylvie said you want to be at, you want to be at the end of time. Well, I'll take you there. Oh, that's true. Cause she's, the door. that's where she's. Yeah, I got you. But yeah, I, that's my theory. So yeah, let's start with the big, like, what do we think the big secret is? I think she's a variant of Kang, and I think that she's been kept in the dark intentionally, and uh, I think ramifications are coming. That's my theory, which also is a little ironic, because that also means that they could have just brought Renslayer back to get into the temporal loom to fix it, uh, if if that theory is true. So that isn't if I've been wrong before. But that's my current theory. Dave, you nodded in agreement. So yeah. I know that's what you got. I think I think Ray, that, what you... that makes oh, sense. No, I just I think that makes the most sense. Ray's got a different theory. Ray, what do you think the big secret would or what do you what else do you think the big secret could be? How's that? Like what could be the big reveal involving Ramona Renslayer that that would make her angry at the end of the time? I don't know. I I maybe so if we're gonna go 
R- Ravonna is such an obscure character comic wise, but the one thing she's known for in the comics is being married to Kang. So maybe she was married to a Kang variant in real life That's in the sacred timeline before she was taken. Because a big part of their story between Ravonna and Miss Minutes was Ravonna and Victor getting a little friendly there. Right? They were bonding, yeah. And then Miss Minutes was looking like, I don't like this. And then when she said partnership, which got her kicked off the boat, you saw Miss Minutes start smiling like, yep, I got her now. So maybe that's it. But I, but you're, you're, you, I didn't even think about her being a variant. And the ignorance of me didn't think about that because, of course, we've seen so many of the variants and they're all men. But then Loki variants are all men except for Sylvie. So maybe, very possible. Exactly. You know, possible, probably, who knows? I don't know that it's, and I don't think anything's probable, so to speak. Tony, what else do you think it could be if not that she's a variant of K? Or what would you, what would, what would be a consequential thing to you? Like, is there anything in your mind that could pop up or are you just letting it, you know, let it marinate? It's funny because I like literally finished watching this two hours ago right now. (laughs) Um, So I, uh, I don't, I don't know. I did play back the ending to hear the exact um, back and forth there and what Miss Minutes was saying because it sounded and then fuck Disney Plus now for knowing to not go and put the little box in the corner and make you watch the whole fucking crap. Patrick knows what I'm talking about because he's laughing his ass off right now. Because you're I like, is something sure. coming? Yeah, I was like, where's my fucking post credit screen? There you go. Now we got a new retainer boy. I don't think I did it as good as Patrick, but I'm like the little less geeky guy that comes down and watches shit in the basement. But, you know, I was like, all right, that's fine. But that's a pretty big ending to to lead off for next week. I I really like it. I don't know. The Kang thing you guys said makes the most sense, but who knows? I just thought of something. Could be Kang's daughter. She could be a Loki variant. Well, now, wouldn't that be some shit? But she would have to she would have to know that. Would not she? necessarily. I mean, would she? I mean, like their their whole their whole goal is to keep them from knowing anything and like erasing them when they work for the TVA. She's so. Here's the thing about that, Dave. That would be weird, though. She's so orderly as a character. Like it'd be it'd be interesting. And and I, to I, that, yeah, I'm sorry. And to that point, we've seen Ravonna's real life. Remember, they showed her in season one on one of the in the, one of the timelines. Wasn't she on yes. a beach or something? Yeah, like a beach or at by yeah, like at a restaurant by the beach or something like that. So I don't I don't know that the local wouldn't be a stretch for me, but I mean this is the show where stretches are made. Maybe she's a Mobius. Right. Um maybe she's a Mobius variant because Mobius is always talking about jet skis and jet skis belong on a beach. Oh god. Dude, Can if, we if, talk about if that's it and we come back here next week? I want all the praise. So so using you, Patrick, you and Dave's idea, which is, I think is the prevailing theory in the clubhouse right now, right? Sure. Then doesn't that make Sylvie fuck up the world again? Oh, yeah, absolutely. She just put the variants you didn't want to be there at the end of time? Yeah, basically. Like, that's, and here's the thing is, it's kind of the beauty of it, if it's, if that's what pans out, is Sylvie wants so desperately, like, there's, there's something to this show right now where there's almost this weird feeling of inevitability like no it's so and this happens a lot in stories about time travel or or branching realities this this concept of no matter what you do to try to stop a thing time is a river your actions are but a pebble in the river what i'm gonna say to that right that's the flash that's the flash except the flash sucks i know that i'm saying you're 
the concept you're stating stating right here was central well, to the not flash unique, but it's not unique to no, the you're flash right it's either. not it's like, not Right, like you go. H.G. Wells was writing about the inevitability of time back in the time machine. Like, if we're if we're gonna play, you know, as I drop my my English degree out here. Did any of you watch Totally Killer yet? No, I have not. Um, they it is, they explain they explain time in almost the same exact way because at some point the main character is back in time doing things and relaying forward in time, and all of a sudden as she does something the ripple occurs inevitably instantaneously ahead in time. So yes. it does talk about that pebble and that river and you can always swing upstream and it doesn't affect anything except for when you do something upstream, it affects things downstream. But that's why so you mean back so to the future was a bunch of bullshit. Oh, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. No, go ahead. I, Ray, I'm, sorry. I'm just saying, I think that's why, that, why the MCU is so dope because while the same tenets from all we've seen and in, in all the time stuff, still matter the sacred timeline sacred timeline never changes it's just a branch which kind of makes it easier for me to remember that's why the whole time heist worked in my mind it made sense to me because they just fixed the timeline that existed instead of sticking with all the branches right right i don't know i think i just think there's so many possibilities right now uh i think it would be extraordinarily interesting if sylvie inadvertently just recreated the problem that that she was trying to stop and again inevitability uh you know thanos may not have been inevitable but kang sure is starting to feel a little inevitable yeah um and we'll see, uh, a lot next month or so with this and um, the marvels so the marvels is coming we're going to talk about the marvels in a little bit when we get into the trailer part because uh an interesting we, little tidbit came out of that as well i wanted to state or m- mention that if marvel was thinking of recasting jonathan majors as Kang, they shit the bet on that in this episode because his performance was tremendous. This whole thing, he, and, well, and that's like you can't, dog. you can't. After that, you up, can't though. do anything with that. You, you've got to keep him. Sure, he is. No, they just they they set it up at the end. If they want to replace him, Red no. Slayer is Kang, and and Kang is Kang at the end of time. Now she's Kang. That's an easy replacement if they want to do it. She can be a Kang, but we have literally with our own eyes seen the council yeah. of Kang. I understand. You so, so you can't but replace. They want to change, it. but if they don't want to have him on the cast anymore, Ray, this is an easy out right here. This is the closest they're going to get to an easy out. I don't think so because again, you're going to have to doing it. I don't think they're doing it either. I'm just saying. I got you, but again, I don't think you could if if you want it. If you want to replace the other majors, forgive me for being um, sexist here, but it'd have to be a guy. Ravona could be the main king. But we have literally with our eyes seen thousands of of male Kang. So like if you want to you'd have to if the, you could replace that. But to Dave's point, Jonathan Majors is, is amazing. I don't we can we can put all the other stuff to the side for just this moment. Cause that performance, my God. And I love if you ever watch Jonathan Majors acting um performances, he adds little ticks to stuff like in Creed 3. The way he walked just was like different because he was in jail so long. The stutter just added so much to the character. And it's so different you know? from the he who remains that we know or Kang it's a, who's so yes. suave and kind of eloquent in his delivery. And this was very much 
damaged, you know, that sort of thing. So And slapstick in a way, too, yes. because, like, while he was a genius, he wasn't really good at his job. He, he is a little he, goofy. He's, he's, yeah. he's the Doc Brown of the MCU at this point. It gave Great me a comparison. It gave me Moon Knight, Oscar Isaac vibes of being able to play a part of the same character. You know what I'm saying? Oh, great point. Great point. Playing two sides of the same coin. That's a fantastic point. And we'll see more as this as this continues to get unveiled. We're not even to the halfway point of the series. We're three episodes in, fellas. So eight. Is it? Uh, is it only eight? Uh, it might be eight. It's it's probably because this is still subscribes to the old thought process of making them like a movie. So I doubt they would do a full ten for that. In fact, I wouldn't be shot to build six. I hope it's eight. No, it's longer. It's it's definitely six. No, really. Again, yeah. Again, remember a lot. Most of the, with the exception of one division, most of these shows have been six. That's fair. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't. It's six. So we're having. Yeah, everywhere I've seen is yeah six. You know, to their credit though, they've. They've all been over 45 minutes, though, runtime from, like, you know... Yeah, we, intro- haven't, had, we haven't had those weird... The credits. What, which one was the one that was particularly egregious, where, it was like, they had, like, a couple of, like, 35, 20... Almost, almost every episode, almost every episode, oh, almost every series, like, the last episode or this episode before the last episode... Is, like, super... It's, like, super 35 minutes. Yeah. Right. I think so, the Mandalorian oh, was pulling that shit, too. Mandalorian had some yeah, but, dumb short episodes. But when Mando did it, it was when he was still in um um what do we call it? When he's um uh, doing things outside the main timeline. What what is the term we used, started calling it with? Side off world? What'd you say? Side quest. Side, side quest mode. When he's in side quest mode, then yeah, I I get a thirty five minute episode. Well, I don't think we're in any side quest mode here in Loki. We we seem to be moving a plot pretty pretty heavily here. I think next week is fixing the temporal loom. And complications arising from that, we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. All right, we're going to take our first commercial break. When we come back, we will jump into the trailer park and talk a little bit of news around the Nerdosphere. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. Always use your head, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot for all of your chairshot swag needs. 
Fellas, Trailer Park was a little tough. This It just was. It was what it was. But we still have a Trailer Park, which means we still have to play the banjo, which means Dave will play the beautiful banjo, and Tony will not lick his thumb and play the banjo. Dave, Dave do, do, hit, hit, hit that beautiful banjo. What were you slapping? Slapping the you, bass? You know what he was slapping, slapping, the bass. slapping 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 the bass. You could. All right. So this first trailer that I'm giving you guys that I gave you guys to check out uh, is is another Patrick O'Dowd was on YouTube looking at a different trailer and saw this one and was like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> you you laugh because it's true. I know. I think it's funny. But. I, I was like, okay, science fiction psychological thriller starring Lena Headey of Game of Thrones fame, uh, of 300 fame. And I'm like, all right, I want to check this out. So I watched this trailer for Beacon 23, which Headey plays a traveler who is upon is on some sort of mission that you really don't know about through space, whose ship crashes and lands at this space station called... Uh, Beacon 23. She is found by a um, a person that's working there, played by Stefan Jane. And it seems like, as in many psychological thrillers, something about James isn't exactly what it seems. And there is a mystery sort of surrounding it. We do see a lot of other folks, uh, actors and folks, show up throughout the course of the, the trailer, where it becomes increasingly clear that James's character is hiding something. Eddie is trying to figure it out. And, and at the end of it all, what does it all mean? I think this looks really cool. Here's the thing that I think is uh, interesting. Uh, who has MGM Plus? And where do you even find MGM Plus? Because that's where this series... It was formerly known as Epics. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm hitting it now. MGM Plus, formerly known as Epic, is an American premium cable and satellite television network Owned by MGM Plus Entertainment, subsidiary of MGM. So, I guess this is on TV, on a station you'll never find, with a heavy-hitting actor that I find very interesting. I'm going to have to check it out on my DirecTV, because I was intrigued enough to maybe give it a watch on at least its premiere, if I can find it. That's me. Now I'm going to go around this panel and hear how you guys will say it is very interesting, but you're not going to watch it. And we'll let Ray say that first. Ray, proceed. I'm going to watch. Are you? I'm, I'm stunned. All right, tell me more. Well, I'm not going to watch because I'm not going to pay for MGM Plus. But I want to watch. I'm interested. By the way, um, this is a premium channel. So, like, either you're going to have to subscribe to it or add it to your package. Because, you know, being one of the few people on this, probably the only dude on this call who actually still subscribes to cable, I think. Okay. I have direct TV. Okay. Me too. Okay. Never. Okay, my bad. I, oh. Well, cause here's the thing you got to remember, especially with Dave and I, like we're old, Tony's old too. Like, like we still That's cling fair. to things like cable television or satellite hey. television. Me too. Doug. Me too. Me right. too. 
Um, I'm not ready to cut the cord, Ray. Hey, man, maybe down the line. But I, um, but no, I, it looks dope. It looks cool. Stephon James is dope. And of course, Cersei, dog. Cersei Lannister, yeah. Um, and, in, and in a different role. Like this, at least from what we've seen so far yes. in the trailer, this does not look like the plotting manipulator sort of character. This very much looks like she is trying to get to the bottom of something and, and a kind of a role that I want to see her in. But here's a fun fact that you guys probably won't expect me to say. Even though I'm not a very big uh, sci-fi dude, I enjoy space thrillers. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I so, can see that. Yeah, so this 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 intrigues me. Well, then, Ray, so why, I am why haven't you watched Flash Gordon? That is a space thriller right there. You don't listen to the words I tell you, my brother. I have seen it as many times as there are variants of Ray Cash. That, that poor dead horse. 974 variants, to be exact. Well, then that's how many times I've seen Flash Gordon. Uh, Dave, what about you? Since since you chimed in on on the Flash Gordon hate, yeah, like you're saying, it looks interesting. Uh, I'm not sure I'll watch it, but I found it like um, reading the comments. It feels kind of like Wheel of Time ish, where a lot of the fans of the source material and the stories are already <laughs> chiming in. This is going to deviate from the uh, source material. I won't. Wa- I need Retainer Boy for this. You know, this is going to deviate from the material. I don't want to watch it. I'm offended. I'm pre mad, and I'm like, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, once I figure out where MGM Plus is and how to get it, you know, maybe that'd be something I I would take a look at. But um, but yeah, Cersei Lannister that that definitely intrigues me. She hasn't done much since Game of Thrones really ended that I can think of. Um, so sure, I I, I find myself like, what is going on with this? I <laughs> try to watch the trailer. What is what is happening here? I know something's happening. I'm not sure what it is, but yeah, like you're saying, it's it's interesting. I I don't know if I'll watch it though. Sonny, hi. Looks interesting, but you're going to skip it. It does. Um, and you are. And I am. <laughs> it's it's just not something that you know. I, like you said, Cersei from Game of Thrones. What it Lena Lena Heedy or whatever his name yeah. her name is, right? I mean, she is just like very very beautiful woman and very very attractive. Um, she looks like she's playing it. I bet you the weird guy on the ship that isn't cooperating got possessed by an alien of some kind. I'll bet you that's what happens. Um, but it looks like something my mom would want to watch. She was such into sci-fi, like biggest Star Trek fan and everything else. Um, but she likes that kind of thriller kind of horror suspense sci-fi all in one. And that's what it looks like it is on a more important note. I can add something of importance here. If you go to direct TV channels, five fifty-eight, fifty-nine, sixty, and 61 are MGM. MGM plus MGM plus hits MGM plus marquee and then MGM plus Billy the kid, which looks like their marquee um, series that they've had. You can watch the whole series there. So it looks more like an HBO or a Showtime or a Cinemax on, um, on cable and, and satellite. So there you I go. You know, that was the MGM channel. So hey, we yeah. learned something today. Yeah. That's, that's going to be the, like the first thing I'm going to do is click on cause if you have DirecTV, DirecTV just shows you everything you that's possible. You don't have it. Already have it. Actually. You don't you probably don't have it. If you if you subscribe to all the movie channels like HBO and everything, then you probably have it. But if you just do one or the other, like I only do HBO. I don't do Showtime. And oh Sony. no, dude! I I have I have all of them. I have all. We, of them. I, I still too, but like, I still watch I still watch movies on the movie channel, and they and they only have two two versions. Yeah. So. Uh, Once I had nine streaming services, I was like, okay. And the only reason I kept HBO is because it's my subscription to Max. So. Yeah. What what I always love though is like you'll 
you'll go on your your little channel selection thing. You just be like, what's this? And you'll click it and you'll either get the channel or you'll get this little thing that says, you don't, you want it? Pay us a lot of money. Oh, really? Because my guide, it, it just like darkens the box of the title. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does that too. There's a couple of times, there are a couple of those that are done. For example, uh, I get the NHL network and then there's like the NHL alternate and it'll light up. Like yesterday, it lit up like I could watch the Caps lose to, uh, I can't even is remember who they lose to yesterday, Dave. Canadians. Is the, if it's the free I, NHL week of NHL pass over with? Because I know that's always free the first week. Like the NBA, you'll have free the yeah, first Yeah, it's, it's passed. Uh, the most, the, the second most inconvenient of the free passes right up there with the MLB one, because the MLB plays like three games over the free week. It sucks. For, for the record, um, if you are a T-Mobile subscriber, you get MLB TV for free. Oh, that's nice to know. have to, maybe I'll switch. But uh, anyway, all right, that's way more than I expected to talk about MGM Plus on this show. So there you go. There's your weekly uh, MGM Plus update, noble listener, for those of you looking for it. We, we do a great job of covering the streaming services and what's available for people. I would say we, we did. We try. We hadn't been doing that good a job because we ain't never thought about MGM plus. Well, it's not streaming services. It's a channel. New. Like now we know yeah. a little GI Joe action. If I still had the sound by, but I don't. Shit. Tony yeah, does. Yeah. And knowing is half the battle. All right, let's move on to our next trailer, which really wasn't so much of a trailer as it was a 30 second TV spot for the Marvels. And the, only reason I did this is because I want us to baselessly speculate about the end of this TV spot. Where is it Kamala Khan that says it? Or is it Brie Larson that says it? It's Brie. Or... I think it's I think it's Brie. But that's why they want the switch. They because they showed Kamala, yeah. Yes. Saying, I called in for some help, and we sure do get a look at what appears to be the Bifrost. Kamala said that. But, no, well, it was, it was Captain Marvel. Are you sure? So Listen well, to we'll voice. find out when we all watch the damn movie on November 10th. But as it is, it then turns into the conversation that nerds get to do for a trailer. Because the trailer didn't show us anything particularly new other than this moment. Who's the Asgardian? Is it Thor? Is it the Thor's quote-unquote daughter? Is it a different Asgardian? Who could it be? So Ray is already may, ready to go. If I may jump in, because... I was, prepared to, I was prepared to say it was it was it was Thor in love. I was prepared. But then I remembered there's one thing that happened in Thor Love and Thunder that it's probably the one of the most underrated MCU things, period. Ax, uh, Heimdall's son Axel got the vision. So if he has the vision and at the end he's practicing with Heimdall's sword with Valkyrie, I think it's Valkyrie. That's one of my guesses. Is I think it's actually somebody in Asgard or New Asgard or wherever they are now. That it's either Valkyrie, maybe it's Sif. Um Sif she's dead. there too. Oh no, that's right. Because she's no, she lived. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sif survived. Um, do you want to hear the voice again? God, really? Your incessant need to be right is annoying. Wow. I called a friend. The first face they show after that is Kamala, and that sounds like Kamala, not Captain. So, if if your theory is true, I need you to do a quick pop quiz. Name an Asgardian that Kamala's met. Can Can we go further? Name a person with powers that. That Kamala's met. Patrick, why don't you go back and listen to it and you tell me whose voice that is? Because to me, it sounds like Kamala Khan's voice. So your question I to think it's I, me, I think it's it doesn't it doesn't work because you're wrong. And I can tell the difference between their voices. Oh uh, man, really? You're gonna do this? You're gonna you're gonna make me play this already? Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. 
You're wrong. Because the trailer itself uses a simple editing trick that Ray pointed out, where you hear a voice and then they show a picture of somebody different, but yet you associate it with the picture that you saw because your brain thinks of the person that you see. I think that's an argument. It doesn't sound like Brie Larson. It sounds as much like Brie Larson to me as it does. uh, What's her name? God, Ray, help me out. Amon Vellani. I. Think th- I just think there's a question there that it could be either. And I think that you can count on your hand the number of Asgardians, unless well, she encounters an Asgardian in this movie that well, then she calls one. later. That's let's that's dig- it. And we'll come back up and say we're wrong if we're wrong. Let's dig deeper into this. No, you won't. You'll come back let's, and give the reasons why you technically weren't wrong. Let's but let's dig let's dig deeper into this. Let's say Tony's right. Don't do that shit. Let, let's let's say Tony's right. Let's say it is it is Kamala. She might not be talking about the the scene we see. That's true. She I could mean, be talking about Bruno. Is, right. Jesus. This is uh, by the way, this is the same this is the same company that showed you the Incredible Hulk in the trailers for Avengers Infinity War and there was no Hulk in Infinity War. They did War. a whole fake trailer. So, <laughs> right. So they're not above subterfuge. That's all I'm saying. My now, co- I have a question I, though. I have an answer. Okay. Wasn't the Bifrost destroyed? When did they re- when did they but the Bifrost it? has been shown to be formed and repaired multiple times since the Bifrost was destroyed. All, Patrick, you know, you've got Patrick, you've got right. the axe. Patrick, that's right. It's Bree. It's not Kamala. Also, to your to your question, Dave, while the the literal Bifrost may be destroyed, um, Stormbreaker, um, Mjolnir, and Heimdall sword can create a Bifrost. Right. Like there's still ways to to create the Bifrost. The physical Bifrost, yes, was broken. By Thor at the end of Thor. That is correct. Uh, but yeah, I think there's just a lot of different ways that various Asgardians that are still alive could go. Watch us all be wrong and to be, uh, oh God, well, um, you know, somebody that we have. You well, know who I, be, I'm hoping, who why, DJ and I are hoping for. Be, why can't it be Loki? It could be, but still, Loki's indisposed right now. He's still in. We just in, don't in, know. What's it called? Timeopolis or what? Chronopolis, whatever it's called. He's still yeah. there. Timeopolis. So. so if who, we who, if we if we assume know? that it's Bree if if we assume that it's Bree and you consider the Asgardians she's encountered she's encountered two that we know of. she's encountered Valkyrie and she's encountered Thor she's met Thor directly Valkyrie fought at the end of Endgame along with Captain Marvel when she showed up like those are the two and that's why I think it's Valkyrie because again such subterfuge right the very beginning of that thirty second of that thirty second spot. Is the A Force girl group showing right. them saying we need a, we need an Avenger? Right. So that that that's done for a reason. They wouldn't have picked that particular spot to add to the front of that that thirty minutes second spot if it wasn't going to be another woman with this already fantastic woman team up of all the women called the Marvels. If you're going the sure. A Force route, then who else is affiliated with the A Force other than those three? Spider Woman, Jessica Jones. I mean, you know, not as guardians, not as. Wait a minute, that's how we're gonna introduce Jessica Jones. Say it. You you brought a force into this. You brought a force into this, Ray. Although I'm wait, I'm ready for Jessica Jones. I'm so ready for her in the MCU. Whatever. We'll, we'll Jones, get her. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll get her. Yeah, just let's let's be patient. We'll get her. All right, let's move into the last uh, trailer. This one Dave shared. I, I have such mixed feelings about this. So the Santa Clauses, uh, which is Disney's continuation of their santa claus franchise led by tim allen however you feel about tim allen whatevs i enjoy him in his role as santa claus it's fine i'm okay i don't agree with him politically 
but he hasn't been blacklisted. So let's let's just move on. Uh, did well enough that apparently awarded a second season where we're going to have the. But he's not. He's not called the evil Santa Claus. He's like the mad Santa. I think is what they call him. Uh, but basically, we got a bad guy Santa Claus. Like, when are we getting the Krampus in this story? At this point, like that's what I want to know. This trailer. The family, the family members all coming into their powers. I'm going to step away for a second and let Dave take over talking about this because I need to walk away for a moment. Uh, there is a thing going on behind me in the house. So there you go. Pull the curtain for you, audience. Dave, take over. That doesn't sound ominous at all. Uh, so I don't know. Ray. No, that doesn't go there. <laughs> no, that doesn't go there. Uh Ray, I'm not that familiar with this franchise. I saw the first one many, many years ago, but I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know a whole lot. Or Tony, are you familiar with the franchise? And, you know, what do you guys think of this trailer with the Santa Claus as well, plural? There must I, be more than one. The series, no, but there was the movies, right? And Martin Short was involved, I think, at some point. I just, yep. I, it didn't hit with me. Um, I'm kind of good with that. I, I like the holiday movies more that are like Elf or like family-based you know, without being so Santa centric, but it, look at it. You were in a second season on streaming. You got a guy like Tim Allen, who's carried a lot of different franchises, by the way. So yeah, I mean, somebody's making money there. So, so the first Santa, the original Santa Claus, the Santa Claus movie is a classic. It's one of the best. That is a good one. That's where he like, first of, gets fat yeah. and shaves and it's comes one back. Of the, one yeah. of the best Excellent. Christmas movies you'll Excellent. find. Good call. I'm not a fan of the extra, sh- extra movies, but this is the second season of the show, and it's called The Santa Clauses because he's since brought his family involved. That's why if you watch the trailer, he's preparing them to take over Santa Claus, essentially, Inc. as a business, right? The son's going to be the next Santa Claus. The daughter's over the reindeer, so on and so forth. To, to Pat's point, um, when are we going to bring in Krampus? I don't know if we'll get that scary because Mad Santa, by the way, shout out to Eric Stone Street. Isn't really a bad dude, right? Like, he's supposed to be mad, but he's kind of goofy and funny with a twinge of, I'm angry, right? And of course, when you got Fluffy as his, his second, you, you can't be that dangerous. Um, I'm not a fan of the series. I'm, I, after the first movie and maybe some of the second movie, I'm out on the Santa Clauses. But I enjoyed the trailer. And it's something that maybe me and the kids will watch if we're bored. Um, but I don't want a series. Just give me the sh- movie. And it's a series, so I don't care. When does David Harbour's Santa show up in this series? Now, that would be fun. <laughs> wow. That's not Disney. That's not, not going to be on Disney. I can yeah, tell you that. Not, 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 Disney Dark. That's the next channel coming pretty soon. <laughs> Let's Disney go. Dark. AKA, 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 AKA Hulu. That's right. Uh, did anybody see the first season of the series? I didn't see the first season. Oh, what do you think yeah, of it, Pat? It's fine. There's, there's all you need to know, Patrick. Declaring like, something fun. I wasn't mad at it. I wasn't mad at it. it I didn't hate it. Um, it was it was fairly pedestrian though in what it did. You know what I mean? Like it, it didn't really tell a new story so much. It was more about getting the family into the family business of Santa Claus. That was kind of Tony. Were you about to play the the K sound sound? But like it looked like you made a move. I was like, I don't I don't know. Can't even hear you. Don't care. Um, all right. Let's move into let's move into news around the nerdosphere. All right, so there was a there was a news release this week about a reimagining of Disney's animated show Gargoyle, and Ray Cash left. Oh no! Power outage. Oh, 
Oh no! Then hard Power outage at the at the Ravens Raven studio. He's got a backup generator. It's all good. Um, anyway, so Gargoyles. For those of you who don't remember, I love this show from the Disney Afternoon uh, cartoon animated series pack because it was this show. One, it's a fantasy show. Tony's already making faces, so I can see how this is going to be. Uh, no, it's okay. I, I love coming after you when Ray leaves. It's just, it's, it's, it's the best thing. I'm not worried about it. At least you know where you are in the pecking order, right? Like it's like you know it's Ray, then you, and then David. Uh, but anyway, so Garbage was this awesome animated show on Disney that was steeped very deeply in Shakespearean writing. It was very very dramatic. It was this. It was like this Batman. Oh, there is nothing but love. Uh, it was like this. It was these gargoyles who had been cursed for centuries, forced to be statues by day, come to life during during the night. Uh, I, I don't even know how how fully to describe this, other than it was this really great animated show that never really gained the traction and took off the way it could have because it wasn't exactly like what people were like watching. We're like, this is Disney. Like, like what what's happening here? I don't understand. So, um, but we learned that it's getting a live action reboot led by James Wan, famous for Aquaman, among others, um, directed by Annabelle director Gary Doberman. It's I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I loved this show when it was out. I've rewatched it on Disney Plus, and so I'm all in for the idea of a gargoyles revisit not sure how i feel about it being live action i'll wait and see Casting's going to be really important on this uh also interested to see what direction we take it with a james wan producing it and a director like doberman this is according to hollywood reporter doberman will act as showrunner writer and executive producer with Wan. and um i don't know i'm intrigued intrigued enough to share and talk about it on this show uh i'll open the floor up to anybody who wants to comment on this gargoyles coming back as a live action 30 years since it was on uh maybe even 20 years since it was on television on our airwaves dave you already sort of shook your head so go ahead hate on gargoyles no, i was gonna say like your description of the pecking order reminded me so much of shark tales you know there's whale poop, then there's Dave. You know that that was kind of like what what I what I felt about that Pat, but nothing but love for. Um, yeah, Disney Dark man, Gargoyle should be on Disney Dark if there was a Disney Dark, the live action remake of it. That's where it should be. I, I'm all for it. I, I don't remember the show that much. My kids were a little bit, you know, they they didn't watch it that much, but um, I I like the idea about these guys. You know, Juan and and I forget the director's name, but you know. Let's be honest, James Wan, Aquaman, yes, but also what? Didn't he do Insidious or Conjuring? Which one did he do? He did The Conjuring. Okay, so when you he, talk about going James dark. James Wan has definitely been, James Wan has very strongly been involved with horror Yeah, as a medium. Like so, he did that, um, what was that movie where the woman absorbed her twin and the twin was like killing people? Like that, that movie came out a couple of years. That was a James Wan horror flick. He uh, also did Fast and the Furious 7. There you go. Oh, God. Anyway, so Ray's in. Anyway, Dave, I'm sorry I cut you off. No, Continue. I'm just saying somebody like James Wan who has that background of, you know, Aquaman, which is very much, you know, obviously kind of like what the MCU sort of, I mean, it's a DC movie, I know, but it's that sort of ilk. 
Uh, and then something a little bit darker. He he would seem to be a perfect choice of somebody who can kind of straddle that line. Let's make something Disney friendly that's a little bit darker than what we normally do. And so I think that's a good choice. So yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how that live action that's that's going to be interesting and in, very intriguing series to watch as it unfolds. Tony is not in. Ray, what's yeah. your interest level on a Gargoyles live action reboot? Owned by James Wan and directed a thousand uh, by... percent. Okay. Gargoyles as a show was one of the most underrated cartoons of the 90s. It's fantastic. So. I agree with that. And, and not only because it's visually dope, the, the story's kind of half, but like the lore works once you get into it. But it had a lot of depth for a cartoon. So, mm-hmm. dog, I'm in. And so I'm one of the few people, not few, billions of people watch this shit and paid money for it. But I'm one of the few people I think in, 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 that I talk to that enjoy the live action versions of these. Like I enjoyed the jungle book live action. I enjoyed Lion King live action. I enjoyed um, little mermaid live action. I think it's cool visually. As long as the story works from a visual standpoint, I think it's dope. And you can't tell me that seeing gargoyles in a visual capacity, if nothing else, even if the story is boo-boo ain't going to be dope to see. So be like, Oh yeah, that's cool. So yeah, I'm here. Yeah, me too. I hope they keep the the roots, the Shakespearean roots to to the to the series, however it comes back, because that was for me one of the best parts about this. Here's this this animated show with characters named after like Demona is named after Desdemona, uh, which is a Shakespearean character. Like all of them are named after characters from different Shakespearean plays. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for lore, a lot of a lot of great storytelling that could be there. So I'm here for it. I'm very, very excited. Uh, by the way, Ray, just just to validate the live action Disney things, I have long stated on this program more than once that if the animated Lion King film did not exist, then we would talk about the remade Lion King film as one of the great achievements in film that uh, that I have to say. But because that was, of that the, the, first the one, original right? material. This is one of the first ones um, yeah. in terms of like adapting it. Yes, Tony. I picked up a Mufasa shirt today. Oh, very nice. Yeah. He's got a, he's, he's, he looks perplexed and upset sitting in the jungle. It's a black shirt, but then, you know, it's him here with green uh, jungle behind him. And above the writing says, I'm surrounded by idiots. That's uh, Scar. Uh, yeah, Scar. That's what, is, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, that's what I meant. Mufasa I, I, is the, the brother just, that was murdered by Scar. Yeah, no, I get it. it, it uh, yes, a scar shirt. I apologize. <laughs> all right, so it's my favorite all time. I apologize. I said the wrong name. By, by Actually, the way, you know, hold on. What real quick, Ray? Hold that thought. You have to play it this time. Wrong well, because wrong, he was wrong. 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 Proceed. Uh, I was just gonna say. By the way, did y'all know that Scar's name isn't Scar? Anthony Scar from New Jersey. No, what I mean is, like, Scar has a name, like Mufasa mm-hmm. or something like that. It's just they've been calling that dude Scar his whole life because he had a scar on his face. So, like, right. there, he, a lot of that, yeah, he went a little far. But I mean, I get why he was so mad at at Pride Rock. Like, I mean, I that little that little brother shit is real, man. That little brother shit is real. All right, let's get to the last story before we take our final commercial break. We, a few weeks, a month and a half or so ago, maybe even longer, I can't remember when, but we were talking about video game franchises being turned into films or series and ones that we wanted to see 
happen. And a certain wrestling realist said that he would pay money to see a live action Bioshock film. And it sounds like this could actually be closer to happening than originally thought. As we got an update this week from the Bioshock movie writer, Michael Green, that he is working on his adaptation of the acclaimed video game. This is a film that is going to appear on um, Netflix. It's going to be a Netflix film. Uh, I don't know anything about this other than I'm excited to hear the quote that came from the writer. You have to measure your words or you'll start to see a laser pointer at my forehead from Netflix legal. Netflix has been amazing about it. They were excited about it before the strike. They're excited about it now post-strike. Yes, I got called the how's it coming along the minute the strike was over. You about ready? Question mark. So it sounds like Netflix is ready. They, you know, the writer says they've been meeting regularly with Francis Lawrence and his team to refine the a draft and go back in. They're all optimistic. They love it. They're saying all the things that you want to hear. But I um I really, really, really hope this is it is a thing that happens and is good. Uh, that's you know the, the concern is will it be good? Uh, I don't I don't know if it'll be good, but I'm excited about the idea of it because Bioshock as a game, it was one of the great games of its era. And I think should translate extraordinarily well into a movie. Dave, you've played Bioshock, I know for a fact. Has anybody else here ever played the game Bioshock? So Dave, why don't you take over? Talk to me about what your hopes would be for a Bioshock movie. This is all about atmosphere too. Um, I mean, Bioshock is a tremendous game. And when you think about the last of us breaking kind of the curse that you couldn't adapt a video game to something really good. Um, uh, Bioshock kind of came out at around the same time that last of us came out and has an equally gripping story. Uh, I think, and they're doing, they're doing this into a movie and not a series. See, man, I would do it. I would go series on this one because I think they can do a lot more. with. You really could tell a great story, but I mean the movie, because I mean, if you're going to do the movie, that's probably going to be a trilogy like the games were. Um, But yeah, if they can if they can pull off the feel of rapture and tell the story of how this utopian society collapsed and make that matter and make people say, OK, I want to see because, I mean, the game was so great with the morality choices, you know, very much like Mass Effect and that sort of thing. But um, I'm very hopeful about this game. And, and the fact that the writer strike ended is like, OK, full speed ahead. It's, you know, you look at properties out there that you say this could be turned into a really good movie. This one certainly comes to mind. Red Dead Redemption certainly comes to mind, you know, that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm really optimistic about it. It really just it just depends on the story, how well they can capture what made the game so great. And for that, just say, look, (laughs) just do what they did with The Last of Us. You guys will be okay. Yeah, this is really going to be dependent on atmosphere and imagery and the scope of making um, Rapture look amazing. So for those of you who don't know, the basic story is is that this guy, Jack, is a passenger on a plane that crashes in the Atlantic Ocean. Jack is the only survivor. He makes his, uh, he makes his way to a lighthouse, which is connected to a bathysphere terminal, which takes him to Rapture, which is an underground city. And Jack is then following directions from an unseen uh, voice, uh, Atlas is the name, via radio. And Jack is, you know, basically, you know, compelled by Atlas to try and, like, quote-unquote, fix problems within the city. 
Uh, it's a it's a gothic sort of horror atmosphere that I think, as Dave said, would lend itself extraordinarily well to a series if done right. Uh, it sounds like Netflix is doing it as a movie. Sonny, you dropped the microphone. What do you got, buddy? In a in a world of uh, you know lacking new creative storylines and and movie ideas, isn't the biggest growing segment in a, in a newish genre like the video game adapted screenplays? I mean, it's an are untapped, we moving towards? It's an untapped resource. You look at all the great stories I, that are out there, oh, right? Well, and like look at how mainstream you can get by making a billion dollars with Mario. I mean, you 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 can do family, super family, super you know niche there and then you can come all the way down to horror and sci-fi and things of that nature the spectrum is ridiculous absolutely i mean like for bioshock the first time the first time you see a big daddy you're gonna pop for it the first time a little sister shows up you're gonna be (laughs) like damn there it is you know so yeah i mean you look at these game cat like to what tunny's saying there's so many good stories where everything's gotten stale in hollywood you've got 40 years of video game stories that can be adapted if you do it right and now people are less are gun shy about doing it because it's starting to be done right. How many years away are we from that being an Oscars category? Not no. far at all. You might see it this year with last. Well, I don't know. You won't see it in the Oscars because yeah, uh, right. Last of Us is a series. That's You'll probably right. see it for Emmys. Um, well, here's the thing: is the the, the Oscars are never going to create a category. The, the Oscars will loop a video game screenplay film into adapted screenplay. Like mm-hmm. that's that's how they'll categorize. They've already got a category there. They won't do like a specific video game one. You might see that on the MTV Movie Awards. That's the sort of thing that they would create a category specifically for like video game film adaptation. I could see them doing because awards have no meaning there. One of the coolest but, awards ever, though, the Moon Man with the popcorn. Oh yeah, it was, it was always fun, a lot of fun. I enjoyed the Moon Man with the popcorn. Ray, your thoughts on the last or uh, Bioshock uh, film? I, I know nothing about the game, but Tony took the point I wanted to make is that we sit on the show and complain all the time. You guys can hear me, right? Yeah, we're just listening. So, I, you know, with, I had a blip in the Internet, so I'm just making sure things are still good. Um, we complain on the show all the time about how Hollywood's running out of, running out of ideas and they're just doing re- reboot after reboot after reboot after reboot. But the reality is we've been having new ideas for years just in the video game realm. So to adapt those makes all the sense in the world. I mean... I thought Uncharted was a very good adaptation. Maybe some people didn't. I thought it was a fantastic movie. Um, there, there's so, but there's so many, and we're at the point now where video games are being scripted like movies. So it's even easier to adapt. Like, look at these Grand Theft right. Auto sh- games. They have scripts the size of your biggest movie nowadays. You know, um, I've I've talked about my love for the Telltale games, particularly the Walking Dead versions and the Batman versions. Those are movies in which you are acting out what's happening in the movie and you're just making the decisions, which looks like apparently what Bioshock is. The only my only disappointment is they pointed it out. Why is this movie? If it's got this much leg, this much meat to it, man, spread that thing out, bro. Spread that thing out. Give me a 13 episode season of this. Let me see what really what's really going on. I I agree with you on that. I, I would hope for a series. Uh, does it? Doesn't look like we're getting it for this one. Yeah, maybe they're using the uh, movie as like bad. a pilot, or and they're going to spin the series out of that. That's possible. are there multiple Bioshocks? Or three, is there three, three at least three. Bioshock, Bioshock Two, Bioshock Infinite. Those are the, oh the yes, things. I have heard of that. Yeah, okay. Well, no. Um, it, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, how excited or tough on it the uh, the fans will be because that that show or that game has a serious following. So. 
tough crowd to say the least. All right, we're going to head into our second commercial break. When we come back, Matthew Vaughn did an interview. We're going to talk about a couple of the highlights out of that interview because there's some interesting nuggets indeed. Uh, all that when we come back. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash chair shot for all of your chair shot swag. As I said, you could be the third owner of a Bandwagon Nerds t-shirt. All you got to do is $19.99. Maybe a few dollars more for strong style. Or soft style. Strong style. Smacks you across the chest instead of making you feel all nice on your giblets. No, we want it to feel nice on your giblets. Get it soft style. I think if you get it soft style, you'll feel stronger. Oh, maybe you will. That's a good point. Um, it's like a PF flyer for your chest. Guaranteed. Guaranteed to make you run Oh, shit. Sorry. I lost it. Run faster, jump higher. All right. So I shared this. I, I get this DM after I, uh, this morning after I had shared the uh, the rundown from one Mr. PC Tunney. I'm not watching a 50-minute interview. Now, that's okay. That's okay. 53-minute interview. My bad. It's my job as the man who pulls the rundown together when he shows up and deigns you with his presence. I think to, your your voice interpretation of my mood from the from the message is is misinterpreted. Considered it was followed with an LOL. Um, oh, accurate to me. <laughs> I'm not listening to a 53 minute interview. I, listen, I is that, is pull that? this up. I pull this part up and I look and I start watching it and I like hit it and I'm like 53 minutes. You gotta be fucking kidding me. No, no, no. You're so eating breakfast. You, what do I care? Yeah. <laughs> You don't care, but I did, so I didn't. <laughs> it's my job to give you the material for the program. That is the, the commitment I have made as the best rundown in the chairshot.com. It's official, Professor O'Dowd. Professor O'Dowd. I got no problems with it. Anyway, I did, however, within the rundown, put in the two points that I really wanted to talk about out of this interview, because Matthew Vaughn, for those of you who don't know, he's got a movie coming out soon, Argyle. We've talked about the trailer uh, with Henry Cavill, uh, Dua Lipa. Apparently, there's some weird backlash going on with Argyle that I've seen here and there that I don't... Uh, like, on Dave's boy, Henry Cavill. And that that was interesting enough as it is. And we haven't we haven't really talked about it. I haven't, I haven't entertained it. Because I, I want to protect Dave. Like, he doesn't need to hear anything about his man crush getting dunked on. I, I don't know. He's he's your gentle flower, it's all and right. we care about you. You guys dump away. But, but what I did find interesting is that inevitably, when they talk about Bond films in particular, like the next Bond film, Matthew Vaughn's name comes up, and I think it's because of his involvement with the Kingsman specifically, uh, the Kingsman series, those films, which are kind of spy things. They're not. I would argue that they're not really Bond films, but. Are, are they're spy films in sort of a with almost sort of a comic booky slant to them and the way that they're done and portrayed? You, you know, less Ocean's Eleven, more The Avengers. You know, less less James Bond, more yeah. I, I'll go back to The Avengers. You know, he also did the Kick-Ass movies, uh, which were which were very very popular. So it's not like it's a out of nowhere sort of stretch 
that he's connected. But, you know, he had to come out and say, no, I haven't been talked about, you know, in any way in doing the next Bond film, which would be the 26th Bond movie. And it just kind of led me to thinking, one, just your reaction to the idea of Matthew Vaughn helming James Bond films, whether or not you see that as a good fit or not. But two, who would be a good director, executive producer? Who would be the next person that you would want to see take on the Bond franchise? So I'll start with Ray. Tony's laughing. Why, why are you laughing? I mean, I'm, not, I'm not even being funny now. You're laughing. That hurts me. It makes me sad. Somebody say Zack Snyder. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. See, I did. That's why I was laughing. No, that's why I was laughing. You no, no, asked, I get you. I get you. you know? I did. I, I did. I asked. In fairness, and it, it, that was funny because they both laughed. That's all. Now you can boo me or whatever. No, you no I do. get you. I'm not going to boo you. I'm not going to boo you. Um, I would say even even if I didn't hate Zack Snyder, objectively that would be a terrible fit in my opinion. And you're you're agreeing with me. That's why you're you're doing that. But uh, a bunch of slow motion pieces for Bond. That's perfect. Don't make me start muting this whole fucking call. I'll do it. Uh, except for so, Ray. Ray, don't, Ray, don't. Uh, Ray's going to actually answer the question. Yeah, I'm going to answer the question. I look, I, I'm in enough trouble on the show as it is. Um, I don't keep up with directors and producers like as much as you guys do like that. But I'll, I'll give you one. If we do get Idris, why not Ava DuVernay or Spike? Ooh, that's intriguing. I hadn't even thought about Spike. Ava DuVernay, yeah, but I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about Spike. What's he even doing these days? Probably indie films and shit. He's he's filming something. Or you want to get really, you want to get really, really fun. How about, uh, what's my boy that did, um, I, I just Googled popular directors. Um, right. I don't want to say his name wrong, but the, my boy that did, um, um, Parasite. Oh God, who did do Parasite? It's, it, it says Bong Hoon Jun Ho. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was a Korean director. I don't want to be, oh, oh, South Kubler, Korean, yeah. Ryan. Ryan Kubler. Who's hotter nice. than Ryan Can we go right back now? to the director with Bong in their first name? I mean, that, that's that got to be a good fit. Bong Joon-hoon? Bong Joon-ho? Sorry. Yeah. I I got a couple of thoughts. Uh, who, okay. Last Jedi director, Rian Johnson. Is that is that who? Ryan Johnson? Yeah, yeah I thought. I, he, I think, you know, when you look at, for all the criticism we did about the casino stuff in, in, uh, in Last Jedi, boy, that had a kind of a Bond feel to it, didn't it? You know, with the casinos and everything going on. Um, yeah, ill-fitting as it was Ill, in the movie. It would yeah. fit very well in a Bond movie. Um, don't well, for don't some, steal mine. I got one. For some reason, I want like a female to be a Bond director. Give me Patty Jenkins. She's not doing I'll, anything. I'll, yes. Yes. Well, she got fired. So yeah, that's right. Because she's, <laughs> she's a little crazy, guys. A little crazy. What Bond like her interviews are a little crazy, crazy. right? But, but I mean, think about it. A female directing a Bond movie. If you don't have a female lead, I mean, if you have a female lead, then it doesn't matter. But if you're going to go with the same womanizing sort of character that Bond has been, that could be fun. But I, I firmly believe, I firmly believe if you're going to have a black dude play, let's get a black director. If you're going to have a, a woman play Bond, let's get a woman. Let's truly take the diversity from not just from a base level, but all the way to the top. Right. If we're going to do that, now it's going to be same old, same old, and I don't think it matters. Right. No, I, I think that's fair. Tony, you didn't want anybody to steal your suggestion. I won't go so that that doesn't happen. What's your suggestion? You're so money and you don't even know it. John Favreau. Okay. I, he's proven that he's ta- he can take on a franchise. He's done, Look at what he's he done did. some good Star Wars stuff. Look what yep. he did with The Mandalorian. Like, that's that's, yep. that's a slightly similar kind of role. Well, and even before the Mandalorian, you know, he he was the first Marvel MCU director and oh, felt horrible about how Listen, Iron Man. Te- 
like felt like he let stuff out. He's a he's a very talented. He did a line filmmaker. Game. Absolutely. I gave yeah. you I gave you a line from Swingers. Let's add yeah, some did. of that kind of like you know real niche comedy there. I think he does a good job of that. Absolutely. One of the interesting rumors that floated around back in September about you know literally about a month ago, Christopher Nolan. Um, he wouldn't do it. Makes sense. Though. I mean, he's I, I allegedly he's, done, he's in talks to produce, I write, and direct. I think I like he's that. done with. He'd be fantastic at it. It would be a Bring very Christian, different feel. Christian Bale is a Bond. Talk talk about a, a gritty Bond. That would be interesting. By the way, if well, John Favreau did it, John Favreau would make himself Bond. Make himself James Bond. Because John Favreau put himself in not stirred. Shake and not stirred. Give me my so, sorry, anyway, as, sorry, you, as you guys. Here's what's funny is you guys are you guys are talking Christian Bale as if he doesn't cast Cillian Murphy in every movie he does. Like that's who's going to show up. It, it, it's that's, and he's not a bad him. choice actually. That's not as a terrible. Bond. He's he's not uh, no, as a no. villain. Maybe I would love yeah. him as a Bond villain. One thousand percent. I don't know about what Bond. About, um, who played Bale and Skull? What's his name? I forget he's his dead. name. He's, uh, he's dead. dead. He's dead. Tony. Oh, he did die. That's right. Right. So no. Damn it, Tony. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> Literally spent an entire segment talking about who to replace him. That's right. Race, and now I remember his name too, Ray Stevenson. And he is dead. <laughs> there you go. You know, I might oh, be wow. Tony Tony might be in the title for the second week in a row in a row. <laughs> Damn. Well he's dead. Tony Cass like a dead uh, guy. Uh Tony dot dot dot, he's dead. That's oh, outstanding. Uh, the joy that gave me just now. That's hilarious. Just like short short term so, loss. I guess so. Um, okay, let's go to the other big thing. This is the one that so this quote I shared out of a tweet because I, I can't do anything from there. Like, where do you go from there? The, Tony cast a dead guy. Um uh, so we have to move on. That's the name of the episode, by the way. Tony cast a dead guy. Things you won't get anywhere. It, right, bandwagon nerds exclusive. Uh okay. The other big quote that came out of this interview that I found, I got, I can't believe I got mad over this, but you you asked about the retainer-wearing fan. This is where he showed up. Because, God damn it, what is he talking about? As he, in this interview, he'll come back. It's okay, he'll come back. Um, in this interview, he said that he thought Star Wars should have a reboot and only focus on the Skywalker family. And the quote was, why are the why are the characters so hallowed that from 1977 you can't ever redo it for a new audience? And I read that and went, "Fuck this guy! What the fuck is he talking about? This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of, you guys." The dude, okay, Star Wars has only ever been about the Skywalker family, and we're gonna reboot it because we need to focus on the Skywalkers. I. Okay, so there's a lot of different things to talk about here. One, Disney's not going to do it because of what they're doing right now with Star Wars, right? Like, they are continuing this lineage in this line that was created from 1977, and they're not going away. They're just not. But two, we just got done talking about ideas being dead and reboots being annoying. This seems like a terrible or a terrible idea, so I don't think it'll seriously get airy. But I can't be the only one who, who sat there and saw this and was like, this is just a piss-poor idea from the get-go am i alone here like like dave you're shaking your head i'll start with dave <laughs> pile on to pile on to, to mev on please you're not alone on wait 
So nine movies, multiple fucking animated series. I don't even know how many video games have all dealt with the Skywalker family in one form or fashion. So we need to reboot and focus on that. It's like, that's the dumbest thing that I think I've ever heard. It's like, no, no, no. You could reboot Star Wars. Yes, you could. That doesn't mean it should be done. But to but to use the pretext of we need to focus on the Skywalkers as a legitimate reason to reboot the entire franchise is way off the mark. And that not even close to that's like, you know, that's like we're in Star Wars Prime and that fucking opinion one is on Peridia somewhere. And the only way you get there is by Space Whale. That's how way off the mark that shit was. May I? You may. So the idea of what, what you and Dave just said, that we should focus more on the Skywalkers if we redid this thing, is one of the dumbest things I ever said in an interview. However, his point about how beholden people are to the old Star Wars, that there's it's so beholden, why can't we redo it? is a good point because people are people love the original star wars so much i think not in, not including you three so let me set that up because i know patrick's gonna go off on me but outside of you three i think what? that's part of the reason why people won't allow themselves to like anything after that people hated the prequel series why because it wasn't the original people hated the new series for the most part why because it wasn't the original so there so i i think that that point has some merit to the other stuff we're talking about just shut up but there's some merit to that because why can't we reduce our wars i'm not saying we should but why is it so beholden and put on a pedestal that the conversation can't even be had i'm with them on that before tony answers i would just like to retort it's not that we hold these characters so hallowed it's because some of the prequel movies were just ass and some of the sequel sequel trilogy those movies aren't much better if at all. So I think the feeling is I that it's not the it's, original trilogy is very good. Okay. Well, there's a generational gap there. So I, that, that I understand that. And like, I know Tony looks at the prequel trilogy movies very differently than Pat and I do. And that's fine. And Ray, you're Dang. the same way. And I get it because there is that generational gap. You guys grew up with those characters. Pat and I grew up with the original trilogy. So, but I think objectively speaking, you compare the movies. Nah, man, <laughs> they don't measure up. But that's that's the nostalgia speaking. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm saying if I'd like to see someone who's never watched any of them watch all nine, and let's get and let's get that opinion then, because you even even you guys who are as nuanced and as good at this as anybody I've ever met have to admit the idea that you grew up with those movies slightly affects your perception. I tell you what, the person I would want to ask about that is the little low doubt. Who is what ten years old, right, Pat? Eleven years old, right now. He's watched. Well, he's already the... eleven. Okay, he's already told us he doesn't want to hear anymore about Jedi's. Well, I mean, I'd just well, be curious. Yeah, what is right. his? That he's is true. he's closest to like brand new. Somebody watch it. What is your opinion of all nine movies? You know, what does he like? What does he not like? That's the kind of audience I, I want to hear. From. I can I can tell you he hates a he hates a Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka. Uh, he does not like oh, her yeah, at right. all. Yeah, we know that. Yeah. Unfortunately, but what does he think about the, the, uh, the three trilogies? Which ones does he like? Which ones does he not like? I mean, I, I've never I have never asked him that way. His favorite part of Star Wars is Stormtroopers. So like his favorite his favorite episode of Ahsoka was the last episode because there were Stormtroopers all over zombie Stormtroopers. He was like, where was this for seven or eight other episodes? What the hell? <laughs> that was that was his that was his problem. Uh, I, he likes the he likes the prequel trilogy very, very much. 
Uh, he likes the original trilogy very, very much. Uh, he enjoyed, I don't know that he liked the, the last three very much at all. He liked Rogue One a lot. Uh, that may have been my influence as much as anything, though, because, like, I love, you all know I loved Rogue One. I think it's the, the best of what what they've made. Uh, I, I don't disagree that there's a level of nostalgia love that influences those, you know, the way I look at the original trilogy. I would also argue and agree that by, by, by no means do I think that the films, the original trilogy films, are all masterpieces of filmmaking in our great, great movies. I think The Empire Strikes Back is one yes. of the greatest science fiction films ever made. I think that... I think that Star Wars, A New Hope, because of what they did, and I think that's the thing that makes Star Wars, A New Hope, so interesting and revolutionary, is that they advanced special effects. And and it is a tribute to samurai films and Western, in particular. Kurosawa is, you know, you ask anybody, Kurosawa films heavily influenced A New Hope. If you go back and watch that movie today as a modern viewer, it doesn't change your life because it's slow as fuck. Like that movie's really slow. Like if you go into it cold, like it really is. You get that really fast opening scene where Vader raids the ship. Then Tatooine feels like it takes an eternity sometimes. And even then, like getting onto the Death Star is an eternity until you get to about the trash compactors. And even then, it's sl- it's a slow movie. The pacing is so different than the way modern filmmaking is that it's hard for a younger viewer unless they're making a study of film to really embrace a new hope and then you get to empire which is just it's dark it's tragic it's got hubris it's shakespearean it's it moves the pacing's different it's also not directed by george lucas it's directed by irvin krishner and that's another big thing that i've always argued in my ultimate problem with the prequel trilogy is that they've let george lucas have all of the reign over that film or those films and his flaws are very deeply exposed as a scriptwriter, as a director his his pacing is terrible in, in a lot of those movies i i love fan or i'm not fan of this i love um revenge of the sith like i love that movie it's great but they, it's it's got its issues so you know is a reboot gonna to, you know that movie's coming up on its 50th anniversary in four years by the way just to really date everyone Go ahead, Tony. No, uh, I, finish your thought. It's been it's been around long enough that it wouldn't be the biggest crime against humanity for for a reboot to be. Not on the Skywalker family, though, right? As someone who enjoys all nine of the episodes of Star Wars, right? Whether it's right. pre, post, or the original late seventies, early eighties, I liked all of them. I liked everything they've done in between to fill in the story. But I've had enough of the Skywalker family. Even though well, I, I think that's your tail. Yeah. I want to know the in-betweens and that to me, it's all Star Wars. I want to know the entire part of that story about the Skywalker family. I don't think we need to go beyond that because I don't think we've reached enough of what we still need to know. I would I would agree with that, too, because I think that it's it's both the linchpin and the anchor that holds back Star Wars filmmaking is the the weight of the Skywalker family. It has so influenced and impacted so much of what's been made around the Star Wars universe that it that it is it is tough to escape it on film. And so I I concede that very much so. Look, you guys thought it was gonna be all difficult. I was gonna fight left and right. I will not even a little. Not even a little. 
Dave, would you like the last word on this before we get into what you're watching? Okay. Well, I think we've uh, we've hit all the high points. Excellent. I don't think that Matthew Vaughn's going to be the guy to take the reins if they ever do a Star Wars reboot. And right now, it's not what Disney wants, so that's not what we're going to get. All right, fellas, time to talk a little bit about what you're watching. I'm going to kick it off this week because I, in the span of 48 hours, just watched all eight episodes of the Netflix limited run series, Fall of the House of Usher. And guys, that show is fucking awesome. I loved it so much. And it is, we talk about retellings and modern takes on, on old tales. This is so great. So uh, I, I don't have the cast in front of me. It's a lot of actors that you see and you're like, oh yeah, that person, they were in this. The one actor that I can't, I don't remember his name, but I can't get out of it, my head. The guy who played Elliot from E.T. plays the oldest child of the Usher family. Henry Thomas? Is that his name? Henry Thomas? Yeah, I th- yeah, if that's his name. I don't I don't remember his name, but yeah, Elliot from E.T. plays this 50-year-old middle-aged simpering, coked out um, oldest son of the Usher family. And it's, oh man, it's so good. Every episode, what's that? Henry, Henry Thomas. Thomas. And um, the woman who plays Verna, uh, which is an anagram for Raven. Uh, Carla Gugino. Carla Gugino. You have seen her in all kinds of stuff. You know, we talked. We made a joke about Zack Snyder. She's in a ton of Zack Snyder movies. She was in The Watchmen. She was in. Um, oh God, she's been in a couple of other his flicks. Uh, Spike. She's also San Andreas, Sin City, yep. Watchmen. Yep. She was in Son-in-Law. She was the girl that uh, Pauly Shore was going after. She's yeah, Pauly Shore's love interest in in Son-in-Law. For- our she, age group, Patrick. Right. She was in um she was in the Netflix series um Gerald's Game. He's like she's she's a well she's just again she's one of those actresses you see and you're like, oh yeah, her, her. Same thing with uh Roderick and Madeline Usher, like the main two characters. And it's this series that is a great retelling where Roderick Usher so for those of you who don't know the short story, uh the the fall of the house of Usher, Roderick Usher calls in his childhood friend to basically confess his his sins and his wrongdoings as his house is slowly crumbling around them. And you learn that Roderick has basically buried his sister who is ill alive downstairs, put her in a wall. It's a big Edgar Allan Poe thing is to hide dead bodies in the wall, like murder people in the walls of houses. And then the guilt of those sins come back to haunt the narrator protagonist, whoever you're following. Uh, but it's this series that's just loaded with Poe references, but the Usher family runs a pharmaceutical company and the body count of, of the, of the Usher house is really what it is. And it's done through this like corporate lens. And I couldn't stop watching. It was gripping. Every single episode is named after a work. Every single episode follows the dismantling of the Usher family until you get to the final episode, which is of the patriarch and his sister themselves. It's so so good i can't recommend it enough i couldn't stop watching watch just i i sucked in all the way loved it very very much watch it check it out if you have the time perfect for spooky by the way and then go back and read a bunch of articles about all the poe references that are in these uh in these uh episodes because they're they're everywhere it's so good i like it watch it and then i'm currently Right now, watching uh, a uh, one of the untold uh, Netflix documentaries 
this one, the Hall of Shame about the Balco steroids ta- scandal. Great, great. Oh, is, that, is that new? It's newish. It's called Hall of Shame. It's good. Ooh. By the way, if you're not watching those untolds, Bill Ben Simmons is killing it. Ben Ben Bill sports guy, that dude Ringer, yeah, he's killing it, yeah. Bill. Yeah, this is I'm really 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 interested. They're interviewing like the head of Balco is like the guy that they're they're doing this with, and I love it. He has absolutely no shame or regret about what happened at all. It's beautiful. Victor something right. Victor Conti, yeah. Yep. He's out of jail now. So that's it's been enough time. He's out of jail. Yeah, he's sitting there. He's uh, he's watching. It's awesome. I have a total of nine Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire rookie cards. Very familiar. I've lost count. I've got them all in my in a in a book somewhere. They were my favorites. I was devastated at a period of time. King King Griffey Jr. and Don Mattingly were were my two favorite players of all time. Not a shave those sideburns, Mattingly. Hell yeah! Nice Simpsons reference. I appreciate. Uh, okay, uh, Ray. What you watching, man? So I don't have anything new specifically. You know, Tony will speak about SNL, but we're both SNL fans. Did you Did you watch the whole thing last night? Of course I did. Yeah, I watched did it a lot. McKinley watched with me. I okay. I fell asleep. I I watched like a little bit of the beginning. I know Pascal came out for the the um, monologue, but yeah, Bad Bunny on SNL. Pas- Go ahead, Rick. Pa- take it from there. Pascal came out. Lady Gaga was there, and the biggest Mick shock Jagger. to me, yeah. Mick Jagger. Yeah. Um, it's a big night. But no, they so if, for those of you who watch SNL, one of the last season, one of the uh, one of the skits that went viral was Marcelo Rodriguez, one of the new cast members. He had a skit where he had his white girlfriend come meet his Hispanic mother and how they spoke. They spoke in Spanish. But, you know, if you've ever been around people who speak Spanish and they'll say like a whole bunch of words in Spanish and then like one thing in English. So Bad Bunny was that, and Pascal did the skit. It was fantastic. It was good. The skits weren't great, but you could tell they were written specifically for for Benito. And he was he was he was game. He was he was up for the challenge. He was down. It was a fun show. Update wasn't great, but they did do Jada. And if you've been in the if you've been paying attention to the news, Echo Wodum did Jada. I I wanted her to go harder, but it was still there. Um, but no, man, it was an enjoyable episode. I don't know if it was as good as last week's, but it was still enjoyable. I got to finish it. I got through like the second sketch and then I kind of fell asleep. Yeah. The eight mile sketch. You could tell that was a Mikey day special cause Mikey day loves those kind of things, but, uh, still fun. Um, but the other thing that I'm going to start watching goosebumps. Oh yeah. Disney, right? Disney plus. Yeah. Little, little O'Dowd's, uh, interested in that one. He likes those books. Yes. And, and if you look at the. Because I think the whole series is probably already out now. But if you look at the episode, each episode is one of the book names. So like the first episode is Say Cheese and Die. So like that, like that gets me hyped because I had every book. Nice. So yeah, it's it's very similar to the Fall of the House of Usher then, with uh, each each episode being named after a, a Poe work. So cool, Dave. What you watching? <clears throat> Nothing new. Uh, at this time of year, I just do like you know watch a lot of the old classic horror movies. Been going around Friday the Thirteenth, you know. Watch that, picking up like little things that even though I've seen the movie like a hundred times, it's like I still find things here and there that, hey, I didn't notice that the first time. Um, you know, Halloween, watching that, uh, that. That's just what I do this time of year is, is go back to look at the old classic stuff that I loved growing up as a kid and kind of like seeing, okay, what did I miss? Cool. And last but not least, you see time. I mean, watch Totally Killer if you're looking for something scary. It's really good. Um, watch Beetlejuice again because the new one's going to be coming out uh, eventually. So that's pretty cool that we're going to have that. Uh, give it a chance, Ray. Um, 
We've talked about a couple other things that I'm watching. I I'm I can't wait to find out the date when somebody feed Phil the new season will be coming out on Netflix. That is excellent. If you've never seen that and you like travel and food, it's an amazing series. It's from the uh, director of Everybody Loves Raymond. But what I have been watching is Hot Ones. Pretty good new season. Cardi B is on one. Um, Make Foley oh, the, the, the Backstreet Boys. And yes, Mick Foley this last week for you wrestling It was in sync, not Backstreet Boys, unless they got You're another right. episode. In sync. My bad. Yeah. My bad. Mufasa. No, Scar. Um, <sighs> and you're on a roll oh. today. Tony Ray Stevenson right. is uh, anyway. Sorry, Tony. Yeah, no, actually, yeah, it's it's the entirety of the Beatles, um, even John Lennon. <laughs> All four of them, huh? No, but Hot Ones. Is really and good. on that note, oh, that I was getting there. Yeah, Hot Ones is a really good show. Sean Evans is such a good host, and he really gets a good interview. If you if you want to learn how to do better interviews, and that's where you're at, check out Sean Evans. The guy does a great job of diving deep. And uh, getting everything he can out of his guests, and he's got some great ones. While his mouth burning, it's amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Former University of Illinois graduate. Anyway, uh, we did take a big L. Thank you. I almost played the Wisconsin Badger uh, fight song since last week. I played. Oh, I didn't say I wanted to though. Um, yeah, here you go. Um, anyway, that's gonna do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Before we get out of here, though. Um, Tony needs to unmute himself and tell everybody where he can find where we can find him on the Chairshot Radio Network and on the socials. At PC Tony, that's not important. Chairshot Radio Network, like we tell you every week, uh, you got a streaming platform you like. We're there, sports entertainment and sports entertainment, and uh, yeah, every Monday morning we got you covered here. That is correct. Raymond S. Cashington Esquire, the nine hundred and seventy fourth. You can find me on Google Plus at www.google.com slash it's Ray Cash, R-A-Y's and Mysterio slash that. You get it. You know, you know, y'all been listening long enough. I don't even know my stuff. You get it. Just follow me there. Some, maybe, possibly. Um, boy, guys. Wow. Dave, uh, your turn. How, how am I supposed to follow that? I mean, Jesus, that's impossible. <laughs> um, you can find me on the uh, platform formerly known as Twitter or X at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G. Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. Instagram and threads at Attitude of Aggression, all one word. And if you're upset with PC Tunney for casting a dead guy as the next James Bond, please send your hate tweets to at It's Me DPP. Why should they send him there, Tunney? Because Ray Stevenson's dead, and I kind of fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That is correct. All right, and you he can follow been good me. Role, though, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, at least it was good. I mean, he been a good Bond. You know, if James Bond's last ride. Can you imagine the James Bond? Can you imagine the James Bond that's tall enough to to go over the top rope in the WWE? Weekend good at, God, weekend at Bondies. All right. Um, you can follow me on the X Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can follow me on Insta and Threads at the same handle. Make sure you also follow Bandwagon Nerds at Bandwagon Nerds on the Twitter. Someday when Elon starts charging us, we'll find a new platform to host from. That's coming soon. All right, that is going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and make sure that you don't fall into the same trap that Tony does and think that Ray Stevenson is still with us. Ray Stevenson's dead. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network.
artofthechairshot.com. start paying Don Lito protection. So everything you owe me, you owe him. How you figure that? Simple. The food chain. You see, on top there's Don Lino. Right. There's me. Mm-hmm. And there's regular fish. Oh, that's me. No. There's plankton. Mm. There's single cell amoebas. Oh, then, then, then there's me. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. There's coral. There's rocks. There's whale poo. And then there's you. That's messed up. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc